This is Don't Forget the Small Stuff, and today we're talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Actually, Andy, before we record, uh, can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? Please. Welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff, the podcast that celebrates the overlooked and forgotten little moments in films. I'm Jess, and with me today, as always, is Andy. Hi. And back by popular demand, (laughs) the man that is radically Canadian, it's Chris. Yes, the RCMP captain himself. (laughs) If they haven't listened to the Untouchables, that'll mean nothing to anybody. There we are, that's your prompt. Go back, listen. Yeah, go back and listen. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the the movie and today's podcast for real, let's just uh, reference a few things. Uh, you can find us online at smallstuffcast.com. We are at smallstuffcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can contact us using email at smallstuffcast.com. And our music is by the awesome Skeleton King. Find more of Skeleton King's work by following the link in the show notes. Okay, so today's film is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Just a few little details about it. It was released in 1989, directed by Jeremiah S. Chechik, and written by John Hughes, uh, also starring Chevy Chase. I mean, it's a Chevy Chase movie, isn't it, at at its heart? He's in almost every single scene. So, Andy, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, is it your favourite Christmas film? You got me there. Do you know what? I don't know. I'm terrible with lists, especially top N of anything, frankly. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you it's in my top five. Um, but then I've watched a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies already this year, so... But but none of them are in your top five, though, these Hallmark Christmas no, movies? No, no, no. They're okay. hovering around. Some of them are pretty good. But you, it's fair to say you're a fan of a Christmas movie. I think you? I've watched this film every year since it came out, at least once, probably three times a year, so yeah. a lot. Three times a year. Well, it's not regimented. I don't know. Oh, December, let's go. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a, it's a annual watch for me and my family. So love it. Chris, what's your thoughts overall about the film? Well, I'm going to start off by saying I'm a It's a Wonderful Life man. That's my yearly m- mandatory must watch. Yeah. I would have put this movie definitely in my top five, maybe number two or three. I got to admit, this watch, paying close attention like I did, I think it dropped a little. Oh, yeah. Um, do you just not? You, do you want to? Do you want to not do the pod? Do you want to stop? Do we end? <laughs> no, <then? laughs> no, no, no. I've got a lot that I want to talk about for sure. But um, this is way more of a John Hughes movie than I ever realized before. And it's weird to say that that's a negative, but um, I don't know that I want a John Hughes movie for Christmas Vacation. And I saw it a little differently than I have in the past. Okay, can you elaborate a little bit? Like, what what is a signature John Hughes thing? Well, I think, so the movie's funny, and it's got some all-time classic gags in it. Um, But I don't think it's trying to be funny nearly as much as I thought it was. I think this movie wants to be way more serious than I ever thought. That's really interesting. I had almost completely the opposite viewpoint this time. I was incredibly aware of how chocked full of jokes it is. Visual gags. Really? I mean, every incidental line almost is a joke. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Chris. Maybe we watched a different film. 
yeah. Have we done our homework wrong? Are we are we recording the wrong film? Well, this makes me want to go. Like, I want to. I mean, John Hughes didn't direct Vacation or write Vacation, so I guess it wouldn't be. But like, I want to go rewatch that and be like, is that movie as sentimental as this one? Like, this this is a sentimental movie, and I'm. Uh, you know, I've got more. I'll talk. I'm going to save it to talk about some stuff later on. But uh, I think this movie wanted me to feel some emotions. Okay, and did you? No, 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 no. Nor did I. So, if if we if he's right. going for that, it didn't work. It did failed. It? No. Okay. You know, maybe this will be a future um, small stuff episode. But like, I think this movie wanted to be the Christmas version of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, <laughs> and it wasn't. For me, like that movie makes me feel at the end of that movie, I my heartstrings are pulled and this one I was not. Now, like I said, the gags are there. The jokes are there. But I think it failed on part of what it tried to do. And I never noticed that before. Have you got an example of like a, a moment where it's it's trying to it's trying to get you in the feels? <clears throat> um, yeah, let's. Um, yeah, let's go ahead. And, uh, the, the, the scene towards the end when the. The dad comes in and like you're too good of a father, Clark, and he has his big meltdown. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's supposed to be an emotional moment between the father and the son. I did for laughs. There's no there's no laugh line in that moment. Oh, I think there's a couple. Yeah, it's, I Not see. I, I think I think it's like you know he talks about he had a lot of help from Jack Daniels, and then he just says, well, "We're clean. We're a clean podcast. I can't say it. You just messed it up." Yeah. He says. Uh, yeah. So. I think there's a couple of gags in there, but no, I know what you mean. But also I was struck by, um, cause I wanted to, I was thinking about how I feel about Clark in general, because I was comparing him to Eddie and Eddie is an utter buffoon. Mm-hmm. And we already know Clark is a buffoon, but when you compare him to Eddie, actually Clark is very sensible and you know, he, he Clark is just an everyman that, that gets carried away with things uh, that end up going badly. And so actually the scene that you're talking about with his dad, I actually think is is a nice way that they just bring it back down and make you realize that Clark is a good dad. He's doing his best. Uh, and he he's just prone to mistakes every once in a while. Yeah. and I, But like I said, I, I think the intent of that scene is 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 to try and make us really have an empathetic view of Clark as a man and I just want to laugh at him. All right. I, yeah. Okay. Fine. I mean, I think you can do both. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do both. I like. I said I did it in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I did not do it in this movie. Okay. Still a great movie. I'm not trying to say. Yeah. I'm not walking off the pod. But yeah. Uh, it slipped a little bit in my estimation. Okay. And have you got any sort of broader things to to mention? No, I would. Uh, I'd echo your thoughts though. I think this uh, on academic reflection is worse than I think it is. I I don't know. I'm, I look through it. Um, look at it through uh, Christmas tinted spectacles. I think yeah. um, I actually don't think it's great. Uh, I love it, but I don't think it's very good. Um, I think there is some sentiment in the the attic scene. Um, mm. That bit I get more feels on than the the bit toward the end with his dad. But as is always the case, it is abruptly ended with some um, amusing physical comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So why don't we just dive into the small stuff then uh it opens with the the animated titles which chris you wanted to mention something about those i i just they're terrible <laughs> the song is terrible i've been singing it all day i can't oh get it out God. of my head i know it's the worst 
And I'm, you know, it's funny because the previous podcast that I was on was The Untouchables, and it's got a great opening. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so we knew how to do good openings in movies at this point. And uh, this Chechnik guy or whoever, whoever directed it, I guess he had some different ideas on how to open it. Like, what are we doing here? What is this cartoon and this song? That's oh, cartoon. It is completely detached from the rest of the film. I don't it? really understand it. So that cartoon, I, I start forensically analyzing these things because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> but so Santa is, I guess, flying over Chicago, uh, delivering gifts. Why is his list in alphabetical order? <laughs> Why? That makes no sense. He's ticking it. So, like, he's going... <laughs> this, oh, my God. It's, it's, it's a suboptimal flight path, isn't it? He is all he's, over the place. He's doing it wrong. So they can't even get that right. There's yeah. no way it would be done by... <laughs> anyway. But you're right. It's, a, it's bad. But also, a little earwormy. I can't get it out of my head. Yeah. Go listen to it, folks. It'll do the same for you. The funny thing is, the, the music from the first vacation the original National Lampoon's Vacation, the music in that film is is great throughout. Mm-hmm. Some great songs. And there's one or two good songs in here, but the opening credits is just horrendous. I'm I with think you. Lindsay Buckingham was asked to do this, the music for this as well, but turned it down. Clearly didn't. Yeah, didn't, did not do <laughs> yeah. it. No, I think he turned it down. So yeah. after the titles then, it, it I love the way it opens straight away, no... No build-up, no exposition. No, the family's in the car again, where we recognise them from two films, you know, the two films that have come before it. They're just in the car, driving somewhere. Uh, I like the, the the continuity from the previous vacation episodes, and they're going to find their tree. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I love it because they're singing Christmas carols. Yeah. Um, and straight away, we're reminded the buffoonery of Clark Griswold. Yeah. When he's trying to sing, I think it's Deck the Halls. And, and he, he doesn't, he, know, he the doesn't know the words. He yeah. mumbles across a few of them. Um, so he's trying to do a great job at that, but can't. So I just have to mention, by the way, that I um, oddly at times, I think, uh, feel for Clark. Uh, that he gets a bad, <laughs> he gets kind of a bad rep. Um, I don't blame Clark for getting upset at those gentlemen in the truck. Those guys are... Out of control, and they would definitely, I think, trigger me as well. Like, what are they doing? They're pulling up behind him. They're honking their horn. They are so and... close. Yeah, <laughs> like they're. I mean, they're they're the villains in this story. And so Clark's reaction, I actually kind of, when I watched it, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I think I'd pass him back too, and maybe get my ire up. Those guys are out of control. Well, they are. The, yeah, they are a caricature of the worst type of. Um... Uh, I know, toxic masculinity American, aren't they? You, Chris, a uh, private joke for a moment, but it's like it's like Revy, right? It, they are... It's Revy, yes. Okay. Well, just to, to clarify for people that are listening that might not know who I am, I'm in Missouri right now, so, like, those guys, like, that's my neighbor, right? Like, those guys are all around me, so. <laughs> that truck, are. incidentally, I was as I do, I do, I did a bit of research. That truck is the same truck that was used in uh, Overboard. It was Kurt Russell's work truck. <laughs> That's so good. I love it? Overboard, by the way. Yeah. It's bad, but I do like it. But yeah, it, it was um, tickled me. So when uh, when when the car when he swerves over, and the car goes over the logging under the logging truck. Yeah. First of all, 
what a spectacular visual gag. Yep. The stunt <laughs> Just, driving was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. The stunt driving of driving under there is incredible. Now, I assume when the car is under there, they've got it attached with something that it's not actually being I mean, driven. It, it doesn't look it, does it? It looks it pretty, looks... no, it looks pretty free form, doesn't it? It looks pretty unconnected to the truck. Yeah. It has to be. I, I, maybe it's not. But the consequences anyway. of it going wrong, are, well, they're tragic, aren't they? Um, all three of us are married men, and I, I don't know, I don't want to speak for your relationship with your wives, <laughs> but when Beverly D'Angelo says, Clark, you're underneath the truck, and he says, do you honestly think I don't know that? We're all right. Thank God we're all right. Clark, we're stuck under a truck. Do you honestly think I don't know that? Come on, you guys, don't fight. Ah, for Christ's sake, I didn't do this on purpose. Oh, that's something my wife would definitely have said that to me if I was in that position. <laughs> that's got it. That might be my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> Do you honestly think I don't know that? <laughs> uh, Good. All right, then. Uh, but the whole point of the uh, the trip out is to go and find the Griswold family Christmas tree. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in the film, Chris, is um, when Clark starts sort of getting a bit all kind of um, philosophical when he's talking about Christmas as they're looking at the tree. And it's the, the it, it's, all of a sudden he gets a lisp. It's like the <laughs> the, the spirit in the grith of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Ellen just looks at him like, what, what is happening to you? Yeah. And that's where Audrey's eyes get frozen. Uh, then they get the tree home and uh, he, he cuts it up. They have the great interaction with the neighbours I just want to just very quickly, I mean, the neighbors pop up here and there every once in a while. And I just wanted to refer to them and, and just say how utterly horrendous they are. Like at almost every opportunity. Did you notice that they, <clears throat> excuse me, they've got, they both have matching, they have matching metal briefcases when they yeah, get yeah. out of their car. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the, and later on we see them in their matching silver track suits yes. and they are just, they're brilliant. This that that scene incidentally is my best line in the film. My favourite line of the film is a retort to um um well, he says, Bend over and I'll show you and he yeah. says Todd says, um yeah. you've got a lot of nerve talking to me like that and he says, I wasn't talking to you. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And it takes them a minute to kind of It's so bad they don't know what to say, they walk yeah. on. <laughs> so I've got two quick one quick point and then a, a, a something I'd I'd like to get your opinion on. Uh, first of all, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, right? Like, yeah. I-, I love when you go back and watch an old movie and be like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that person ended up doing other things. And, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think this is a hot take by any means, right? Like, she's she's the greatest, in yeah. my opinion. She's okay. the GOAT. And, yeah, I mean, she doesn't have a lot to do in this movie. But what she does, she does well, and she's awesome. She plays a great bad guy. <laughs> Uh, but I want to ask you guys your opinion on something here. When I'm watching that, those moments when, uh, like, there's the line where, like, I hope he falls and breaks his neck. And I think Todd says he'll fall, but I don't think we're lucky enough he'll break his neck. Yep. And I'm like, the neighbors are jerks. And they're obviously, you know, supposed to be the villains and the bad guys. But do you think you guys would enjoy living next door to Clark Griswold? Um, I don't know. For entertainment <laughs> value, maybe? I think I'd befriend him. You'd just become I mates think- with him. Yeah, I think they're the antithesis of Clark and his family, and I'm not. I'm not Clark, but I'm not them. I'm not Todd. 
Yeah. You've so, got more in common with Clark than you do. What are you saying? Todd and Mo- No, I'm nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, think I think I'd get on okay with them. Um, I like buffoons generally. I kind of warm to them apart from people I won't mention. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'd be okay. How about you, Chris? I think it would be tiring. I think it'd be yeah. exhausting. It might turn me into a Todd. <laughs> or maybe that's it. I might just—they've be, been there for so long. I might long. get a metal briefcase eventually. <laughs> the, the I think the I'm sure he'll fall line is is all you need to know. They know what Clark is like, right? But you know, like even the moment when he cuts down the tree towards the end. I'm sorry to skip ahead here, that's but like, okay. and and the tree goes smashing through their window. <laughs> They're not surprised. I just think like right like. I might be friends, like Andy. You might befriend Clark. You're still gonna have trees come smashing through your window you from are. time to time. <laughs> Unless you say they just, they know it's something like that's gonna happen. They just watch it. They <laughs> deadpan. Yep, this is bound to happen at some point. <laughs> Bro, he gets the tree inside and uh, cuts the rope, and it smashes through the windows. And again, their reaction. None of the family react. Yeah, they're like, "Yep, yeah, okay." Hats up. Like they know. Immediately, but they don't want to say anything because, you know, it's dad. He'll uh, say something, he'll do something crazy. Um, but no, they know what's going to happen and it just wrecks the place. Which, you know, it's obviously played large for laughs, but they're as, as dads, I do, like my kids do give me that look, right? Like mm-hmm. here's dad going on whatever it is we might be about. Yeah. I think we all got a little version of Clark Griswold in us and our kids kind of roll their eyes and put up with us i'm certain they're rolling their eyes at us right now knowing that we're actually recording this podcast right (laughs) unquestionably so i it's the first time i watched it all those years ago it took me a while to figure out why the magazine was sticking to his fingers but it's the sap right that's the Mm -hmm. that's the joke okay although i think that scene's bad at the end he's great he's literally you can see it he's actually holding holding her hair yeah it's, right. Yeah, it's badly done. Uh, then shortly after that, we get one of the, the few or a couple of little scenes that are um, not at the Griswold house. Uh, he goes to the office and we meet Bill and uh, the boss, Frank Shirley, for the first time. Uh, and then also uh, the scene where he goes uh, lingerie shopping. Do either of you have any any comments about either of those two scenes? Uh, yeah, I've got a little something for the lingerie shopping for sure. Um She's flirting with him, right? Seems to be, but presu- presumably in order to get a sale. Yeah, he might. He's an easy fish to get on the hook, I'm sure. But yeah, when I was watching that scene, I'm like, she's she knows what she's doing, though. She's of course she's reeling him in. Yeah, and, he's not it, just being. I guess what I'm saying is he's not just being a cad, some older dad, <laughs> slobbering all over this beautiful young woman. She's she's toying with him. Yeah, all right, but you know he could. He could just pull himself together a little bit. He could, yeah. Well, yes. His reaction to "Can I take something out for you?" is, oh, it's just good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to come up later on for me in the categories, definitely. Where do we go from there? Oh, we, very quickly from there, we um, end up back at home, and all of the grandparents arrive. All of them, all four of them, and uh, there's chaos. But then, shortly, very again, shortly after that, he starts his great project of putting the lights on the house. I mean, it's packed with physical humour, isn't it? There's um, and, and so much of it is obvious. It's kind of telegraphed. You know what's going to happen. The neighbours know what's going to happen, right? 
Uh, but there's one bit when he gets up the ladder and then the ladder slides down, which doesn't make any sense because the ladder stays at the same angle. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I love it. At the end, he like looks around, nods his head, like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. I love it. <laughs> but it's, he did look around to make sure no one was looking. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we got this. It's a little... I think you're right. I think there's a lot of very obvious gags, but I think because Chevy Chase is such a good physical comedian that it, mm-hmm. it it's fine, right? You you give it a pass because it, he does it so well. Yeah, there's that bit where he's darting his arm back and forth through the the, the ladder because yeah. he doesn't know he doesn't know which to, way to hold it. And it's nothing really. It's the second and a half of film, but it's it does such a good job of um, layering up the the character or his character. It's very. He's he's very good at physical comedy, isn't he? I will throw in here real quickly just a little PSA. Uh, I've got a, a good friend of mine who fell off his roof and lost his leg. So uh, oh stay off the roof, folks. It's dangerous up there. Wow. wow. Crikey. Jeepers. That brings us back down to earth. I mean, sorry, literally Ooh, as well as metaphorically. Pun. Sorry. <laughs> New category. Bring the, yeah, bring bring it on. the podcast down a notch. <laughs> <laughs> so then on the next day, Clark gets... Locked in the attic. Going back to what you were saying, Chris, about um, the the sentimentality of the film, I do feel like this scene in the attic almost represents the heart of the film, um, yeah. because because of the fact that we're seeing the old time videos with, and you don't know it yet, but Lewis and Bethany are in those videos, mm-hmm. um, which I really like because they're just incidental people in in this black and white film and yeah i agree with you andy i being a dad but also being at a stage where uh you know parents are elderly and mm-hmm. struggling health-wise and what have you uh it gets me a little bit it gets me you know i i understand his reaction to seeing the videos of his childhood and but by the way that seems long like it's not just three or four seconds of his child. Like they show several clips of yeah. him sitting there and then that song's playing over the top. And this is kind of what I was talking about before. The end of the very, very end of the scene ends with a laugh, with yeah. a joke. Um, but that is a lengthy part that is not you are not supposed to be laughing. They in that take scene. their time with it, don't they? They really mm-hmm. invest in it. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I, the emotional heart of this, the movie. Let, let me ask you guys both this. I know you're both fans of Chevy Chase's work, not just this movie. Um, is this the first, is this the time, only time we can recall like that Chevy Chase has cried in a movie and it's not being played for laughs? I, yeah, I haven't seen enough of. I mean, I've seen some of his big hits, but I haven't seen enough of his films. No, I think probably yeah, you're right. It must be right. Yeah, yeah. I think the I, other the other reason the other reason that it. Um, they take their time with it is to increase the impact of the final joke though. Right. You know, the, the sudden right. abruptness of the, the drop is made more by the fact that we've spent so much time with him in this rather warm and fuzzy place. Mm. And he's in hospital after um, that drop, right? I mean, that is a serious <laughs> fall because <laughs> he tips backwards, which means he's going to fall, likely fall on. He's going to hit his head at least twice. I guess he? Ellen may have broken his fall. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> No, it wasn't Ellen. It was the. It was. No, no, it was. It was. It was Ellen. It was. It was. It, yeah, it was. It was the other. It was the mum that closed it, it, but Ellen yeah. opened it. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. It's pretty good acting by uh, Chevy Chase. Like he sells that emotional moment when he's yeah. sitting there crying. You can feel that's that. Right. Like, yeah, it works. 
Yeah, yeah, because he, you can tell that he's remembering those moments and he's got like joy in his face and then... Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. So actually, we're going to go off on a tangent just briefly. Do we think this is... Speaking of Chevy Chase, do we think this is his last seriously funny leading role? I mean, you, it would help if you had his his like yeah. filmography in front of you, but um, I'm I'm asking the question because I believe it is. Uh, but I'm just looking at my phone of his. So before this film, like just I'm going to read out some highlights. There was um, Fletch, and um, of course the the first Vacation, and then European Vacation, uh, and then Spies Like Us, and Three Amigos, and Funny Farm. And Fletch lives, and then National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. After that, he I think he only had a, a relatively small part in L.A. Story. He was in Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which I used to like, but is not a great film. And then I think he had a small part in Accidental Hero, a very small part in Last Action Hero. This was it. This was his his last hurrah, comedic as a comedic lead. I mean, comedians have short shelves shelf lives. That's it's uh it's not. For most comedians, it's not that you spanned decades. It's how intensely did you burn when you were hot? That's true. All right, let's get back on track. Where were we? We were in the attic, weren't we? Okay, so then um, they try and... Oh, Clark tries to light the lights for the second time. <laughs> and he, the, he can't even get the, the Santa and the, the three little or the, four, the reindeer to light up. And so one of my favorite pieces of physical comedy is when he, he punches Santa in the face. Yep. And it's a callback, I think, to punching Marty Moose in the face from yep. Vacation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's one of my, one of my favorite part, parts of the film, actually. Just before he uh, attacks Santa is when Ellen asks whether or not he's plugged in. And he says, do you honestly think I'd check? Yeah, yada, yada. And her face is so good. She does such a good job of kind of almost rolling her eyes and looking away at the same time because she knows yeah. perfectly well he would do exactly that. Yeah. So yeah. I had I made a note of that. So I, I'm already, I've kind of alluded to it a number of times, but I love the way they uh, are quite regularly connecting this film to its predecessors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Ellen's face, as you just described, when he says that, and then a little bit later on, Rusty makes a face um, about I can't remember what I, I can't remember what Clark says at the time, but Rusty makes a similar face. Like I can think of quite a few times when you've done that, Dad. Yeah, I love the way they connect it back to the the previous films, even though the cast members, apart from Ellen and Eddie and Catherine, they're all different. So the kids are yeah. different, different ages. Mm -hmm. Which I feel like that's 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 a joke, right? Like that became a running joke in the series is we're going to cast different people for these characters that not a joke necessarily, but I, I think that, I think that's being done on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, they, they just don't care. Do they, they're going to just right. cast the right person for the, for the role. Yeah. So he's the guy that plays, um, he's in big bang theory. Um, yeah. It's Johnny Galecki. Yeah. And you know, you're talking about, and Juliette Lewis plays Audrey and you talked about Julia Louise Dreyfus as well. So it's, they had some big names early in their career. It's great. Then Cousin Eddie arrives. I, I'm just putting it out there. I hate Eddie. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> I know he's funny and I know he's a good foil to Clark, but <clears throat> just everything about him is, I mean, maybe that's intended. Maybe that's how I'm supposed to feel. 
but that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. You, you wish that the character didn't exist in the films or when he's there, he does his job and makes you feel the way yeah, that what you just said. Yeah. The second one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just, he's so repulsive. Again, there's a bit where um, when he arrives and he tries to hug and kiss folk, Ellen's avoidance of his kiss is <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's something else I wrote down. And I, I've, again, I've got a little little theme running here. So Beverly D'Angelo's physical humor is also extremely good. Yeah. So the avoiding of the kiss or the avoiding of the hug is one. There's a, there's a couple of scenes where she gets caught in between Clark and someone else yeah, as yeah. they're hugging, and she's just sort of stuck in between the hugs. When the lights face. come on, she's, yeah. stuck. she's getting crushed in between. That's incredible. Um, and then right, actually, the, the, this is a very, very small thing, but, you know, that's what we're here for. Uh, when Right at the beginning, when they're going to buy the or dig out the Christmas tree and they're in the car, and Clark is talking about how they're, they're going to choose the Griswold family Christmas tree. Ellen is rubbing her hands together, really, like, she's so excited about it. And, um, yeah, I think that's that's down to Beverly D'Angelo's physical acting. I think she's great. I agree. Why yeah. wasn't she a bigger star? Uh, I mean, you know, sometimes, uh, and this is kind of awful to say, but, um, I mean, it's Hollywood, and she probably aged out, too. Yeah. Like, it's women get older in yeah. the business. There's just fewer things for them to do. Hollywood so. is cruel, isn't it? Also, she was yes, in European is. vacation. Oh, you think that? Uh, my, you know, just saying. That's a, a strike against her, European vacation? Strike against most people who are in that movie. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, the the scene going back to when he, he's daydreaming about the, or when, he, when he's interacting with the woman in the behind the counter, mm-hmm. I, I did think to myself, I'm like, I mean, she's pretty, but you're married to Beverly D'Angelo. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. the, the, sorry, just one more one more little piece of great um, physical humor from Ellen is when she uh, is talking about <laughs> how stressed they all are and it's Christmas and we're all in misery and she strikes the match on the box and all the matches go everywhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, It's just another example of how good she is. Uh, okay, so I'm just checking my notes again. Eddie arrives and then they have... Eddie and Clark have quite a prolonged chat uh, while Eddie's wearing that incredible outfit with the really tight white top yeah. and the, the another callback to vacation because he's got the white shoes on. He's got on. those shoes on, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. Andy, did you have something you wanted to mention for that scene? Yeah, only, I mean, there's some obvious stuff when he hits the candle turner thing, whatever yeah. you call it, over. But he's he's cracking nuts the entire time, everywhere. They're just going everywhere. He doesn't care. They're all over the floor. He's there cracking nuts. It's just, it's it's and it's slipshod nutcracking. Yeah, yeah, it? no, it's, it's just... crazy. He's, he's crazy nutcracking. There's a Christmas uh, tie-in for you. Be a song, crazy nutcracking. Yeah. There's a little sequence where he goes to see Frank Shirley in the office, um, and he delivers a present to him. Mm-hmm. And I, something I have always noticed and never quite managed to figure out: all of the presents that other people have brought are exactly the same shape. As the one that Clark brought. Yeah, every single one of them. Yeah, every yeah. single one. What do we think? What do we think it is? Because it looks like it's... a long box with a, a, a another box taped to yeah. the top, doesn't it? I was feeling like it might be like a, a... In my head, it's a toy tractor with the cab at one end and the... the, uh, the... You don't buy a... No, no, boss. you don't. No. Obviously, you don't. But no. that's all I can gift, think of that would it? fit into that. Newton's cradle with matching... Paperweight. Okay. So, I don't know. 
What what I, do you I, buy a corporate executive for Christmas? <laughs> I do think as a visual gag though, it also like it works obviously comedically, but it's also carries some meaning with it, right? Like Mr. Shirley views these guys as all just interchangeable pieces. Like he obviously doesn't see them as human. And this kind of validates him a little bit, right? Like, yeah. They all give they me the same gift. A bunch of automatons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the amount of times he gets his name wrong. It, right. He calls him something different every time. Yep. Even at the end. Yeah. yeah. He calls him Carl, doesn't he? I don't know yeah. where that name comes from. <laughs> Carl is so good. Then there's the uh, the sledding oh, scene. Oh, oh yeah, go, Chris. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I, I, I did want to... So, it's so boy, boy. This is this is absolute. This is a small stuff Hall of Famer right here. I love the moment when Mister Sh- Shirley uh, he asks if he used the the little tidbit in his speech, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, I did. Thanks." And Clark, they show him, and he does this little smile, mm-hmm. and he kind of leans back a little bit and throws his head back a little bit, and it's just the phoniest. Like I just love that moment. It is so phony and perfect, and oh man, it just—it's so—and they kind of linger on it for a moment too. Like they just, the camera just shows Clark, yeah, for maybe three or four or five seconds even, and he does that little throwback thing there, and they're like, "This is such an awkward, inhuman relationship right here." And yeah, and Shirley doesn't know what to do, so he just picks the phone up and says, "Get me exactly. someone and someone <laughs> while I'm waiting." He's like, "This is weird." <laughs> He just wants to. Just they both just want it to end, basically, yeah. don't they? Go away, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I uh, hope my report helped out at the trade show. I'm sure it did, Griswold. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm in the middle of an important call. Get me somebody, anybody, and get me somebody while I'm waiting. But Clark probably can't leave without permission. I mean, it's like <laughs> being in the presence of royalty for him. So, the, so the the sledding scene is, it's that when I was a kid, it was the scene I remembered most clearly mm-hmm. from the film. But I feel like that the older I get, the more times I watch the film, the less fun the sledding scene is. It's just it's pretty, pretty annoys me. Pretty lame. Do I? As he says, bingo at the end. Oh, the bingo I mean, is so bad. He's gone about six miles yeah. based on speed, and <laughs> he's in the Walmart I, parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, yeah, I guess, like it's a long scene. <laughs> like, yeah, it's too long. You know, one thing I do appreciate about that gag, though, is the way the the sled takes off. Like, it's not zero to sixty in three point two. It's sixty to start. So yeah. I yeah. do like that. That first bit when he goes is funny. Still yeah. to this it's, day, I, I think that's the yeah. for me. That's now actually mm. the only funny bit in the whole mm. sequence. Yeah. Right. Then there's a actually it's quite a it's a really small and it's not even funny but it's quite an important scene in terms of the the overall film but he he sees Bill in the office again uh, and they talk about whether their bonus checks have arrived uh, and so I just want to mention it because without that scene you know we wouldn't the the drama of the bonus check arriving later on is is sort of lost um, and I have a soft spot for Bill I quite like Bill I recognize him I recognize the actor but I can't remember where from. And I can't be bothered to look him up. So, sorry, Bill. <laughs> and then, uh, because his bonus check hasn't arrived, he has he has a little vision as he looks out of his window. He visualizes what the pool would actually be like. And um, and Mary shows up. Chris, 
Did you have something for that? Yeah. Or, or um, when Ruby Sue shows up? So he gives this whole speech. And first of all, um, don't don't give a speech to a, a, a poor child of poverty that Santa gives gifts to the good kids. Because, like, I know you're buying gifts for this year, but... You might not get any presents next year, Clark. <laughs> Don't reinforce that idea. But but he says something in this movie and in this scene that uh, it just <laughs> so she's asked you know about whatever Santa and stuff, and he says I can't even afford to be an elf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys, Clark's loaded. Like I don't know how much his yearly salary is, but that like that house. Like this man has a lot of money, so um, yeah, you're crying poverty to the girl who lives in a RV with her parents traveling around. Like, come on, Clark! Like, read the room a little bit here. What are mm-hmm. you talking about? <laughs> and Clark's not just loaded compared to Eddie. I mean, like I said, he's an ad executive that lives in a beautiful he's, house. He's a food additive designer. Chris, get it oh, right, that's right. please. Yeah, he's not an addict, yeah. Exactly right. He, yeah, food additive designer and, but, of the wait, year candidate. Yeah, yeah, and he's good at it. Yep. You know, Bill tell, says like the stuff you did last year on that crunchy, the crunchy yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, you know, like Clark complaining about money in this movie is like it's falling on deaf ears for me. That's how for much sure. is a pool back in 1989 to put in. What do you reckon? Uh, so he put a seventy-five hundred dollar yes. deposit down, didn't he? Yeah, but I think that's it. You know, he he basically said, "I don't have that much in my account." Bear in mind, he's spending thousands on electricity for his his house lights. I mean, well, yeah, it's pre-LED. That's, you know? that's the reason he's not actually as rich as you think, Chris. Is that he keeps doing dumb stuff like that, that just draining his finances? Mm. Yeah, and you know. You know, you live in a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar house too. So, and they were talking about going to Hawaii for Christmas. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. So, just saying. All right, fine. We'll Feels stupid. It. The man has money. I, I think Andy. Shortly after that, there's the, the scene at breakfast where everyone it's all chaos going on at the breakfast table, and and um, Clark is looking out the yep. window in his in his sweet Blackhawks jersey. By the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. So the obvious, the you know, the, the the obvious gag is Eddie emptying the chemical toilet. Yeah. Um. But for me, it's Todd's reaction. So Todd comes out of the house for for a run, I guess. Not Next he's. Door. Did you know he's not in his silver tracksuit? Yeah, yeah. It's a different one, isn't it? Because it's a solo run. He's not going with and with Margot. He doesn't even look at Eddie until his nose turns up. He's like he sniffs him before he looks, and in. So he's kind of sniffing the air and then looks towards Eddie and Eddie tells him what he's doing. And then I don't understand why Todd runs away. He runs back into that. <laughs> but it's his face. It's like his reaction, like, who is this individual? What are you doing? Oh, I don't know what to do. Run away. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, my neighborhood's been taken over. I yeah. need to get back in the house. <laughs> uh, running away from cousin Eddie I don't know. It seems like a viable option to me. I don't it's know what wild. else you're going to do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it just goes to dinner and the whole the whole turkey incident. Any comments about the dinner scene? Absolutely. So the the line, uh, Cousin Eddie's line, right? Save the neck for me, Clark. Yeah. 
uh, I love the neck. Do you? Do you? And oh yeah, and it's so it's a gag. Uh, we didn't. We we just had Thanksgiving and there must they must not have had a neck because nobody offered it to me. But yes, save the neck for Chris is absolutely a gag. In our it's a family. regular it's a regular thing. Well, we in our household we always. Whenever anyone cooks a turkey or a chicken, anything, a roast of any kind, the first thing, or the rather the last thing one of us will say before we start carving is, if this thing looks half as good as it, if it tastes half as good as it looks, we're all in for a, a treat. Yeah. It's a, a running it family joke. It does look very good. It. Yeah, it looks incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um... Yeah, I'm just going to go back real quickly to say that the neck, underrated part of the, the, the turkey. You gnaw on it for a little while, a little bits of meat out of there. It's kind of fun way to sit it's, in a recliner after you're done with your big meal and just gnaw on the neck for a little while. It just sounds horrendous. So, no. I'm with you, Eddie. No. No, definitely not. Just the, word, just, like, just the idea, the, the word neck, it's not good. <laughs> I, I actually have a hard problem eating parts of animals that look like parts of animals. Yeah, yeah. I'm a hypocrite. Uh, but yeah, I really do struggle with that. So the neck, it's not going to do it for me, Chris. Uh, right. <laughs> Shortly after dinner, the um, poor old cat chews on the wires and, and gets vaporized. <clears throat> and then Lewis, <laughs> Lewis burns down the tree. I just have one question about the Lewis burning the tree down scene. Does that happen because of the gas? Because there is a, a ball of flame... <laughs> <laughs> or does he just throw a match into the tree and because the tree's dry it it goes up in one woof of flame. I had always assumed it was the gas, but they play that joke again later. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's the tree's dry and he lit up next to it. Oh, Lewis. I've always thought it was the gas. Yeah, I yeah. I hadn't thought about that until this very moment. So um interesting that you have a different opinion, Chris. Because I assume yeah. gas, but you're right. How? Why is it there specifically? There and if there's gas in the house, why doesn't the whole place go up? And it, I think the windows open. It's almost as if so, oh, some it? of it was seeping in. Perhaps oh, okay. that was my that was my assumption. But um, yeah, also the dog was drinking the tree water, so maybe the tree is just super dry. Mm. And then snots. Yes. Oh my God, snots. Snots the dog. The uh, the courier arrives. The speedball courier arrives with the um, the Christmas bonus. And that's another classic scene where everyone's talking about the pool and he's like, and Eddie's like, I can't swim, Clark. It's like, I know that, Eddie. There's a bit when the delivery guy arrives. A couple of things I like about that. Stupid, really. But I love the way the knocker comes off in his hand. Yeah. Um, and the fact he doesn't know his name. Gris- he goes Grisman. Clark. And was just, mm. What? People are doing that throughout the film, though, aren't I they getting his name wrong? <laughs> It's not that hard, is it? Not much of a delivery guy. No. Bad job by the delivery guy, right? Yeah. Terrible. Dude's bonus check gets between yeah. the seats. Come on. You do yeah. better. Yeah, why is it on his seats? Anyway, there's a weird edit in that part, actually, because he's saying if there's enough left over, I'll fly you all in. And they start cheering. Um, and the cheering, the audio goes through, and then they cut to a different shot, and no one's moving. <laughs> you watch it. It's really strange. It gets me every time. It's really well, weird. Continuity problems. Yeah. So the, 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 the audio of them cheering is still going on, and everyone's just there like this. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah. Like I, we said before, our, our, our boy Chechnik maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. wasn't the man for the job. So um, when uh, we finished the Untouchables podcast and, and you guys, t- we talked about doing another one and one for Christmas came up. The reason why I picked this movie 
is because the line when he drinks the eggnog and he says it's good, it's, it's good. good. It's good. It might be my quoted most quoted line in all of movies, which is saying something. Yeah, right. Uh, just about any time something ridiculous is happening, it's good. It's good. Or or anytime something's good, right? Or if it's good, <laughs> right? Um, and in particular, I wanted to do this podcast with you, Jess. Yeah, because this this is that's the line that I I. You know, for all our movie and 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 uh, uh, history of of uh, entertainment together, this is the line that I most closely associate with you. I think of you <laughs> and me laughing about this line. Good. Uh, it's good. I it's good. Say it. It's good. Yeah. It's it's good. It's good. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I just we're that nice. I'm quite it's touched. Good, now, aren't we? We're never going to get out of the it's good loop. No. Good. <laughs> I'm touched, Chris. Thank you. Yes, I think Chris, you wanted to talk about Clark's um, rat or his sort of uh, outburst, or what I mean, that he means. His rage issues throughout throughout the movie, and yeah. specifically at the end here. But earlier, when the lights wouldn't work, like that, those are violent outbursts in front of your family, in front of your children, and then at I, the end here in the speech, and he loses his mind. I think it's My part goodness. of the. It's part of the. Clark Griswold mystique because in in the first vacation he has an outburst in the car uh, and <laughs> so I just think it's it's almost like it's what we expect as as Clark Griswold viewers now we want to see an outburst or two it's interesting yes. they they seem to have in in current edits at current cuts of the film they've they've cut out the f-bomb that he throws in there about Danny oh, Kay. Oh. oh all right yeah he used to Danny Okay, it was in the it, it it used it in the one I watched. Yeah, me yeah. too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I've got a rubbish version. Like, where is yours? Because <laughs> mine's on. I've got a YouTube. Like, I bought it on YouTube. Oh, okay, right. No, I I have a DVD version. Oh well, you've got to sanitize HBO. So they they oh they don't do care. They'll throw anything on there. Yeah. Uh, um, no, weird. Maybe I've got like because I think it's the only time there's some serious language issues, isn't there, with the film. Uh, and I guess it's because I watch it with my family and have done for, you know, since they were very young. I wonder whether they, they kind of realized that they were missing a trick by just needlessly leaving that in there. Right. Um, it doesn't it doesn't serve a point for sure. No, no. It's pretty it seems funny. Out of place. It's pretty funny. But I was just going to say, you know, Clark, like a little therapy, a little medication, like we can get this under control. Like you don't have to suffer like this because that that dude is like. He's That's, unhinged. He's going to 11, and yeah. it's not healthy. Not healthy for the family. I just have something to say about um, when, after the outburst, when he's still slightly off the rails and he goes to cut next door's tree down, uh, Ellen's got a glass of eggnog in her hand, and she's trying to get him to come back and just completely ignores her. And so Ellen, in, it, just before she goes back in the house, throws the glass into the hedge. They yeah, she's so sort of like, they, I don't know what to do anymore. She just chucks the glass in the head. I think Marty Moose yeah, glasses. Not just the drink, the whole glass. Yeah, 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 yeah the whole glass. The Marty Moose glasses? So they, the, there are Marty Moose glasses, but she doesn't throw one of them. They're too oh, valuable. Right. 
after the the tree incident and the squirrel incident, uh, going back to what you were saying about the neck of the turkey, um, Chris, uh, we also find out that Eddie used to eat squirrels until he found out they were high in cholesterol. Cholesterol, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, there's the, 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 what do you call it, the the denouement, is that the right word, uh, to the film with uh, the kidnapping of Frank Shirley and then the police raid. I'm going to treat that all as one scene. Okay, so Margot. Margot has had enough of this. Yeah. So March is over. Um, I think it's the second time, because when the lights come on, for going way back, when the lights are turned on initially and they can't see and they fall over and break yeah. stuff, and when she punches Todd, both times, the quality of their furniture... Oh, it's bad. It's so bad. It, it just... It, so the tables and chairs and stuff fall apart when the lights are turned on and then off again. And then when Todd falls over the back of the sofa, it is bending. It's like the worst quality item. It's quite surprising because you think they would They're buy wealthy. the best stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They have a, what's it, Bang & Olufsen stereo, which is wrecked. Yeah. Uh, and they've got this cheap-ass stuff. Disappointing, maybe, yeah, they... They're all about how it looks rather than... Yeah, and I, I, every time I watch it, I, I watch the, the back of the sofa bend as he falls over the back of it. I think, what are you doing with that? Why have you bought that? Well, and they live in a wealthy neighbourhood, which we've established because we know they're next door to Clark and he's rich, so... Yeah, exactly. So, first of all, uh, I, I want to just... He's all worked up about the bonus because of the pool, right? Yeah. And so when Mr. Shirley... Chain turns around, which I got to ask, are we buying that at all? Uh, well, no. uh, maybe, probably not. But I think also <laughs> you're not buying that he cut out bonuses either. But also he can't even remember his name. And, you know, it's not it's not a legally binding kind of reversal, is it? Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever you had last year, what is it, 20%? 20%? Yeah. Which is very generous. All of a sudden he's like, On a when whim. you see the people... <laughs> Who it hurts now it becomes like I don't know. <laughs> this is a pretty abrupt turnaround. And his wife all of a sudden turns out to be this really nice woman as well. Like that the Shirleys were really good people this whole of time. Of all the lousy ways to save a buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, a Bizarre out of nowhere turn. But the question I wanted to ask is uh forget about the pool, Clark. Uh, insurance isn't covering the damages to your house. Uh <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no way they're going to pay. They're going to be like, you had a, you brought a, you cut down a tree from your yard and put it in your living room and a squirrel got out and a dog got upset with the squirrel. That's on you. That's we're not paying that. How's yeah. he going to afford all the repairs on his house? If he can't afford the pool, Do, does insurance cover SWAT? SWAT damage. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. There's a guy, there's a guy. He's kind of repelling down from the center. Of the, I don't know where he's come from. It's really oh, they're down the, the, the stairwell, yeah. like yeah. through the middle of the staircase. Yeah. The dog breaks a door. They destroy like, the entire dining area that they bring the hutch down. There's thousands and thousands of dollars of damage done to that house at the end. I would uh, assume that Clark Griswold has pretty robust home and contents insurance. Unexpensive I mean, given his track record. Yeah. No, he would have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to learn. He's not going to make that mistake. Well, maybe he is. He's Clark Griswold. He might make the mistake. Yeah. But going to yeah, most yeah. quoted lines, one of my most quoted lines from any movie of all time is the uh, chief who, um, when hearing that he's cut out bonuses, says, that's pretty low, Mr. If I had a rubber hose, I would beat you. Unfortunately, he's then cut off, because I wanted to know what he was going to say. Yeah, beat well, you to within an inch of your life, maybe. Or something. I use that a lot. Yeah. That's pretty low, Mr. Yada, yada, yada. Um, 
All right. So unless anyone has anything else to add, I think that might wrap up the small stuff. Uh, just Yeah, I just want to point out, um, this has almost become a signature uh, a point for me to make, apparently, because on The Untouchables, I talked about how it was a good murmuring movie. Yep. This is a good chatter movie. Lots of good chatter, like when the parents first show up in the in the front entrance. Yes, yes, yeah. Lots mm-hmm. of overlapping dialogue and stuff. Lots of overlapping dialogue and chatter going on at the table and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're very good use of chatter. Okay, I, next next podcast you're on, Chris, I'll expect another. Um, I feel like we need something. to find like a, a category for each one, There's like obscure category for each movie now. <laughs> yeah. So Maybe this is a, okay. This will fall the, the Chris um, pigeonhole. Like good murmuring, good good chattering. Obscure Chris, Chris, voice work. Chris's pigeonhole. How's that? Does that sound good? Yep. <laughs> Let's do it. Right. Let's just abbreviate it to Chris's hole. Is that all right? <laughs> okay. I, maybe this not. is getting better. <laughs> all right. We'll take a break. All right. Let's crack on with the category, starting as always with Audio Corner. I'm going to just throw one out. I think we referenced it earlier. I really have a clear winner in this. It's Clark's laugh uh, when Mary asks... Can I take something out for you? (laughs) That, That laugh just gets me every time. It's Chevy Chase at his best, as far as I'm concerned. I love it. Nice. I've got uh, the the dinner scene after they've cut into the turkey and it is split <laughs> wide open. The the noise, the ambient noise of the clacking of the plates. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? And, and the, the chewing on the dried turkey, the crunching on. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely by far number one for me. It's so good because at one point Clark takes a drink and he's like sort of Washing swishing, swishing the water <laughs> yeah, around in his mouth to soften the meat. Yeah, yeah, the audio there is really good, actually. Mine's, mine's weirdly specific. Mine is right at the start when um, they Clark pulls out from underneath the log truck and then flies uh, into the, the parking lot of the, the tree place. Uh, and the engine is, you can hear it. And the undertones of everything else that's happening, the engine is screaming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely screaming. Uh, I love it. It gets me every time. I don't know why I like it. It's hilarious. By the way, Jess, you've mentioned callbacks a couple of times. That's a great callback, obviously, to the first vacation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When they arrive at the the hotel and he's like, oh, yeah, we're here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Made pretty good time. Yeah. There's another um, car noise, which I love when they're under the truck. And there's like the sort of the the high pitched kind of noise of actually what it's like when you're on the highway and a truck goes by you. You can mm-hmm. hear that noise really clearly, and they're underneath it. And they so that the sound design did actually quite good there. I think yeah. best looking scene or frame really tough. By the way, this <clears throat> category there's not a lot that looks amazing. Yeah, I got a couple. Um, so the first one again right at the start. I like it when the cars. So it's Clark and his family in the car, and then there's the blue truck, and then there's the log truck behind, and it's coming towards you over a crest, and there's some heat haze, and there's all the white around. But that's not my winner. My winner is when Clark's on the roof fixing the lights. 
Yeah. And then for some reason, the moon is enormous. Uh, it is. It's obviously not real, um, but I think there's a scene. Yeah. I like no, it. No, that was my honorable mention. The, yeah, the. Yeah, he's he's just it's nighttime and he's yeah. there all by himself and the yeah. moon is is massive. Yeah, yeah, for no reason. Uh, by the way, I, I I'll do my honorable mention. I I actually didn't even consider it, but it really is a great looking scene. Is uh, all the visuals of the car moving underneath the logging truck yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, it really does look great. So I'll have to give some credit there. But um, I had um, it's just a simple aerial shot of the house when they turn his lights on for the first time. Yeah. Because it's amazing. What he does mm-hmm. with the house is incredible. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, that, well, and it's real. Like, yeah. Chevy yeah, Chase yeah. didn't do that, but some bunch of movie techs got on that roof of that house and nailed down all those lights and they put a helicopter up in the air and they took that's a real shot of a real house lit up like that. So yeah. it looks incredible. So it, it piggybacks nice, or I can piggyback nicely for my winner because it's right at the end when they're um, out on the, the lawn after ruby sue thinks she's seen santa claus and and that whole scene is shot with the house behind them and it's glowing and i'm i'm a a fan of a shallow depth of field and Mm -hmm. so the the twinkly lights from the house are really kind of out of focus and glowing and everyone else is kind of lit by the moonlight or whatever it is and i I love that look i think that looks great so anything with twinkly lights in the background suit suits me down to the ground uh, quick correction, Jess. It's yeah. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. You're right. <laughs> Monsieur Mendel Award for our favorite incidental character. I've got a few nominations. I'm going to nominate Bill. I like Bill. Mm-hmm. He's kind of, he's got this slightly slightly sleazy, but also slightly likable quality about him. He's just a decent guy. Honest guy. Yeah. yeah. But, but still got an edge. He kind of a little bit like, hmm, he's a bit sleazy as well. Uh, I like the courier, the speedball courier. Uh, but my winner is um, Helen Shirley, Frank Shirley's wife. Because partly what you just said, she definitely does not approve of him cutting out bonuses of all the lousy ways to save a buck. But I specifically love the way she describes Eddie. Yes, officer, it seems my husband's been abducted. The man was, was wearing a blue leisure suit and the plates were from Kansas. I, he was a huge, beastly bulging man for that for that description alone helen shirley wins my uh my vote well um for me i'm not going to go with julia louis dreyfus although i really can't believe i'm like julia louis dreyfus is in this movie and she's not a major character she listens you know oh well yeah there we go shout out julia big fan (laughs) uh so um, my honorable mentions were uh, Clark's dad, uh, mm-hmm. who <laughs> dispenses some good advice and uh, is supportive of his son throughout everything, all his antics. Um, and uh, Uncle Lewis. Uh, <laughs> I like that Uncle Lewis. Between Uncle Lewis and Aunt Bethany, Uncle Lewis, is he's the, the cogent one. He's the one that's more uh, tapped into reality. So that's kind of interesting. But uh, I'm going with Bill. Bill, I like Bill. He's he's real supportive of Clark. Yeah, he uh, he he compliments him on his work, and he tries to help him out. You know, sort out all the, the stuff with the bonus. I just think Bill's a good guy. Yeah, good work friend. He kind of almost looks up to Clark as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned Delivery Man. He is my notable mention, but um, I can't, I can't avoid 
the SWAT officer and his incredibly quotable, pretty much single most important line in the entire movie. So yeah. SWAT officer, well done. Well, if I had a rubber hose, I could, I would beat you. That yeah. line. Why? That's okay, pretty that good, mister. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, best location. I really struggled with this one. I have, I have one answer and it's got a question mark after it. I just said the attic. Is that the best location? I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, so I've, I've got department store just because of Mary <laughs> or rather the scene <laughs> and the comedy. Um, it says best location. I'm not referring, you know, no, no, it's gotcha. funny, you know, but yeah. Uh, normally I'd go I'll for something cinematic, there. but what was uh, that, Chris? Sorry. The, sled, the sledding hill? It's a nice it's like looking a hill. Good sledding hill. Yeah, I, yeah. I, he crashes through like a shack at one point. I the think. shack looks pretty the nice. The shack actually. looks quite, quite nice. It's nice, cozy, some candles yeah. going on. Yeah. yeah. All right. Go so, in there, warm up a little bit, go out and do some more sledding. It looked like, it, it looked like people were having pretty, a lot of fun on that hill. So I was going with the sledding hill. Okay. So right. that's sledding hill, Chris, uh, lingerie department, yeah. Andy, attic for me. I think yours is the best answer, Chris. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. But Andy, you need to stick with the laundry department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, proper item that we would like to own from the movie. Andy. Okay. Yes, can I can I start by I hope I don't step on what your choices. I don't think I will, but the the Marty Moose mugs are not eligible. Why why? Why are they not eligible? Because the you can buy them. That's not I mean, they are everybody not everybody lots huh? of people have the marty goose mug oh. you can buy them okay I don't oh know. yeah i i know i know plenty of my friends that if you go over to their house they've got the marty moose mugs in their cupboard this they whole bring thing them up is for Christmas. this whole thing that's is the really reason to live in the u.s just to have marty moose mugs. yeah yeah I, i'm sure you could have them ordered to the uk i'm yeah. slightly crestfallen they do that now <laughs> they do that now <laughs> have you seen the prices <laughs> so i wasn't sure because i had them written down I wasn't sure whether they were Marty Moose or whether they were Bullwinkle from Rocky and Bullwinkle. So that was my first question. But then I read that they are indeed Marty Moose. So what you're saying is that it's a, it's like a film fan's dream gift. Like it's what you would get. I don't know. I'll make Rich, for example, from college, Chris. You would get him Marty yeah. Moose mugs for for his Christmas present or something. I probably wouldn't because my guess is he has them. Yes. Okay. But that there you go. That some yeah. that sums things up, doesn't it? Okay, well that's disappointing because I, I had written them down. Have you got anything else? I do, mm-hmm. I do because because I had to have a backup just in case they were Bullwinkle. Although, hold on a minute, what if they were the ones that they used in the film? The actual film used Marty Moose mugs, the originals. Does that count? You will you allow that, Chris? Well, oh, y- yes, but um, only that you know. You could be lying, I guess. Yeah. You'd, I'd have to. You'd want me to prove it. You want There's it to no be have a certificate of authenticity. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Chris, you you discounted those, but did you tell us what you actually picked? Well, now that I look at my pick, and I'm like, oh, actually, you know what? Mine's the same thing. You can just buy it. <laughs> yeah, go on then. <laughs> Mine was the fake turtleneck. <laughs> oh, what, nice. um, what Eddie's? It's so bad. You're talking about Eddie's white, tight white top, is that it? Yeah, when then the the the, the little uh, turtle fake turtleneck underneath that mm-hmm. you can see through. But yeah, yeah, I could go online and buy that as well. I'm surprised you don't have one, Chris. Wow. Next time you're on the pod, yeah, I'll be disappointed. Let's if do you a trade, Andy. I'll send you some Marty Moose mugs, and you send me a fake turtleneck. Okay, deal. Right, we'll we see go. where we go. Yep. Andy, what's your pick? 
for um, best prop. So I've got two, and I'm not sure which one I'm going to pick. Well, nominate them, and then we'll help you choose. Okay. So my first one um, is the office pool that um, Clark is twanging when Bill comes to see him. Oh, yep. It's a good one. Yep. Yeah, that is a good prop. That's a good one. I don't even know what it is. It's like if they sent him a model of the pool. Yeah. What is it? Anyway. I'm staying tight-lipped because I've got something to say. <laughs> okay, so it's that. Or post-attack garden Santa. He punches him in the face. Um, so the Santa, when he doesn't light up, he attacks them and yeah. punches Santa in the face. And it briefly shows Santa with a caved-in face. I want that. Post-attack garden Santa, I think, is um, a really good band. Yeah, I I've heard them live a couple of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little loud for me. <laughs> so which one are you going with? Because, okay, I'll tell you what, maybe let me... You said you were going to help. Yeah, because Clark's toy pool is, is my choice. If I can't have the Marty Moose mugs, I'm going for the toy pool. But except it's not a toy because it's like rigid and makes a good twang. It does make a good okay, twang. Okay, you can have that. I'll go right. with post attack garden center. Okay. Deal. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a, a I just thought of one. This is right off the top of my head because I, I I'd had that turtleneck, but I'm like, nah, that's not a good one. If you look at the scene, I'm trying to think. Uh, what's going on exactly but clark's like going off i think he's going off on a rant and they cut to um to ellen and um oh what's eddie's wife uh catherine catherine they're they're standing over like by there's like a they're by a piano or an organ or something like that Mm -hmm. Uh, and they're just watching him go off if you look in the background of that scene there is a framed picture of lewis on the wall (laughs) (laughs) That's it's, what I want. It's the it's most obscure movie. movie memorabilia of all time. Give me the framed picture of Lewis. Uncle Lewis. Oh, they don't, they don't so even good. like him. You know, yeah. He's such a cantankerous old dude. I love the idea that, Chris, people would come around your house and there's like this framed picture of this old guy and people would say, oh, who's that? Oh, that's Lewis. that's Uncle Lewis from National yes. Foods Christmas Vacation. Oh, and he's, he's wearing the toupee in it, too. Of course. Oh, amazing. Brilliant. Good. All right. I, I, yeah. I, we endorse your choice, Chris. That's brilliant. <clears throat> All right. Um, coolest look. <laughs> There's a few, but I wouldn't ever describe any of them as cool. Uh, I, I've put Eddie's tight white top, fake turtleneck, <laughs> white shoes as like the opposite of cool, <laughs> of the coolest look. Um, that falls into the same category as the. The poker dealer in Casino Royale. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the not the coolest look. Um, a quick shout out to Clark's pajamas. They've got little colored horses on, I think. Either mm-hmm. horses or dinosaurs. I couldn't quite tell, but I think they're horses. I quite like Clark's like Eddie Bauer outfit when he's um putting the lights on in the daytime mm-hmm. and he's got the yeah. the green and blue kind of plaid shirt with the body warmer over the top and the is it the Chicago Bears hat at that point? Yeah. I think he might have. Yeah. Um, I quite like that look. But I think my win has got to be the Blackhawks jersey. I, yeah, I always I always want to spend Christmas Day wearing like my favorite sports team jersey because of Clark Griswold. It's a pretty good pick. I'll put one honorable mention. I, I'm going to go with the Blackhawks jersey too. But uh, I, I am quite enamored with Eddie's blue suit at the end. What, the blue leisure suit? Yes, yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's so bad in... Every conceivable way you may measure, because he's properly dressed up. He's gone out yeah, of yeah. out of his yeah. way to wear something yeah. that he thinks is pretty pretty awesome. That's his Christmas <laughs> is his um, Christmas Eve outfit. 
so bad. Right. Yeah. Which I can relate to because uh, as as people that know me, I, I, I tend to like to wear sweatpants a lot. Mm-hmm. And I do have a pair of sweatpants that that uh, my wife deride, deridingly calls my dress sweats. Nice. So They're if nice I would come to you over, you know, if uh, Jess and Andy, if you were coming over, I would put on my dress sweats. I'd be honored to see you in them. I can see yes. why you want that white turtleneck now. Yes, exactly. Because you got to look good. Absolutely. Me. I got my <laughs> raggedy sweats for when I'm just laying around the house. But company's coming. Got to put the good sweats on. Uh, Andy, call this look. You mocked it earlier, and I'm sad. Oh. I'm going to go for Todd and Margot's running gear. What, their silver stuff? I think you could rock that now. I think you could. Yeah, I think you could, and that would be fine, but I think it's the fact that they both have it. I think yeah, that's the well, issue, it's matching. I mean, I'd, I wouldn't be going... I'd be going on my own, if at all, frankly. Yeah. But, you know... Kudos well, to with Jess. You guys can both wear... You can put, put a on go for a run together. Oh, I think we should do that. Yeah. I don't think you can buy them. Uh, they're probably Gucci or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. probably. It's what uh, Austin Powers would call, or Dr. Evil would call, quasi-futuristic running gear, isn't it? Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. All right, as always, last category is closing credit. Andy. Okay. So, fairly tight cast on this one. But, fear not, Billy Hank Hooker performs admirably as Bozo number two. (laughs) Not number one. There is a Bozo number one, but he's, he's worse. He couldn't get to that. Uh, Billy Hank Hooker. Um, interesting. So what I did, I like to read around the folks a little bit. And um, the movie before and the movie after Vacation. So he did he, after it, he did Terminal Velocity, where he was gunman number one. Okay, he's had an upgrade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before that, film I've never heard of, heard of, Runaway, where he was farm voice number three. Farm voice? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Not even the first one. That's, so that's a demotion. At least in Terminal Velocity, he was gunman number one. So, so he's so Runaway was first, then vaca- Christmas Vacation, yeah, yeah. and then so he's moving up the ranks. Yep, Farm three, Boys two, three, one. yeah, Bozo oh, two, okay. yeah. They're uh, seeing his potential. Gunman one as a numbered goon in whatever movie right, he's been. Congratulations! What's his name? Billy Hank Hooker. All right, congratulations, wow. Billy Bozo number two. Well, he did a great job. I don't even know who he is. Oh, you know? I'm pretty sure I'm it's the truck. One of the guys in the truck. The truck yeah. guy. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. No, well I'm going to call him a bozo. Well, there's other things I'd call him. Bozo would yeah. not be one of them. Yeah. And there we are. You take issue with bozo. Hey, yeah. Bozo sounds a little more fun. Those guys are scary. That's like... Mm. Yeah, go on. Chainsaw Massacre Man number one or something. I don't know. Yeah. Bozo sounds like a Muppet. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm lovable that'll do it for this episode thanks for listening uh thank you andy thank you uh, and thank you chris how do you feel it went it's good it's good <laughs> <laughs> and that's cheerio from me so we don't know which movie we'll be doing next time uh, we've got three or four movies in the pipeline we do know we'll be taking a week off from our regular release schedule uh, and we'll be back in the new year have a great winter break and we will see you then. If you do watch any movies in, the, in your time off work, don't forget the small stuff. <laughs>